Oh, this doesn't coordinate. Okay. Bruchim Abayim B'Shem HaShem Berach Nuchem Yves HaShem Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly, Wednesday night Shear. As you know, we can get the Shear now, audio or video. If one wants to see the video, they can simply email a request and we will send them a video of the Shear. The Shabbos, Pashas Chayasara. Tonight is Chof Macheshrim, the birthday of the Miyasid of Temchit Mimim, the Rebbe Rashab. Technically, we can spend the entire year just talking about the Rebbe Rashab. When the Rebbe Rashab wanted his Talmidim to be Nere Yislahoyer, to study a mixture of both Nigla and Nista the Tera, not to neglect either one. The Rebbe Rashab then gave this over, and the, naming the Tamidim Timimim. The famous story on Simchas which we spoke about, the birth of the Rebbe Rashab we've spoken about, in past on Chav Cheshven Shurim. We hear several different levels, several different things that transpire. Beginning, repetition again of the years of Chayesara. 127. So the years back, 30 years back, was 127 years of the Rebbe Rashab's birth. When the Rebbe Fabreng spoke about the comparison of the 127, we find another 127 in the history of the Jewish nation, and that is the story of Purim. In the story of Purim, we know that Esther Hamalk, that Achashverosh, was a king over 127 Medinas. Sheva, Yesim, Umeya, Medina. Similarly, says the comparison in Teda, is a comparison to the 127 years of Sarah Imenu. When the Tera tells us that Sarah lived 127 years, the Tera tells us that her 127 years were complete years. 
Her 127 years, Rashi tells us immediately, were Tmimim, Baschov, Kibazayim, Lanoi, Baskuf, Kibazchov, Lishana, Lachet. When she was 20, she was as pretty as a 7-year-old little girl. When she was 100, she was as if a 20-year-old who is still not considered done any sins. So therefore, this makes reference completely to her complete life, both spiritually and physically in appearance. Ironically, 127 Medinas, nations, towns, not nations, Medinas, that Achashverosh ruled over, these 127 Medinas were not in one neighborhood, they were not in one region, they were Medinas, they were nations, they were countries to rule over 127 Medinas it's quite a feat and yet Pare ruled over all Achashverosh ruled can someone get that Chinik please over the 127 nations How is it then, the British Sabbath, that he recaps the connection between the two? So the message tells us, very simple, a very straight comparison. When you live in a different nation, a different land, each place has a unique climate culture, language, character, it's inevitable that aside for Torah observance, they had very little in common. Yet when the decree became to annihilate the Jews, and this reached each one of these provinces, not even one Jew considered God forbid renouncing his Judaism because they would be spared but they refused similarly the 127 years of Sarah all equally good the Jews 127 different varieties were identical in their steadfast belief and devotion to God and therefore they merited as a grandchild of Sarah Imenu, who lived 127 years, that Esther, the granddaughter, merited to rule over 127 nations.
very, very interesting point, just jumping ahead a little bit in the parsha. the match made for Yitzchak. Yitzchak was a grown man when Avram Avinu sends Eliezer to find him a wife. Avram and Sarah put a lot into the education of Yitzchak. And it had the desired impact. Yitzchak lived the same values, devotion to God that his parents had. So much so that Yitzchak was prepared to be brought as a sacrifice to God. Because this was God's request. So therefore, we see the greatness of Yitzchak at 37 years old. So why would he not go out on his own at this age and find his own match? But good wasn't enough for Avram Avinu. Avram wanted to make certain that Yitzchak would have no hiccups in this whole process. And he would marry the right person building a life in the path of God, the path that God desires. Therefore, although Avram still had many years to live, it says, Rashi tells us, that he willed everything over to Yitzchak. He gave everything to Yitzchak. Yitzchak had everything that Avram owned, and gifts were given to the other children of family so that Yitzchak could be a very wealthy person so that he'd be that much more of an interesting catch a rich boy, listen, (laughs) come on what is Avram therefore doing by sending Eliezer to find this match for Yitzchak look at a package that was in the mailbox package over here that was in the mailbox. Avram was teaching us that we must realize and learn from this a very strong lesson. Our children, our students are grown and mature, ready to build their own independent lives. That does not mean that we can finish, that our job is done. We need to continue to guide them toward the proper path. Even if it's personal sacrifices, Avram gave everything away to ensure that their lives are perfect. That their spiritual lives are perfect. But re- returning back to the Chai Sara, the 127 years of Sarah's life, it sounds like it was a simple situation. All the years were the same. 
we all know Sarah's life was far from uneventful. She was born and raised in one part of the world, moved a number of times, spending the last half of her life in the land of Israel. She was taken captive twice by powerful kings who wanted to marry her against her will. And the Pasuk says, By and Rashi explains the years of Sarah's life summarizes 127 years saying that they're all equally good after all she went through after all she endured how could Rashi say her life was equally good but the question really is on the Pasuk Sarah lived 127 years. Fine! You've told it to me. And then they add the word, the lives of Sarah. So these extra words, the years of the life of Sarah, or the life of Sarah itself. It doesn't say, Shnei Sarah, the years of Sarah, Shnei Chai Sarah, the life. The Torah's wording tells us that this Pasuk is not only telling us how many years Sarah lived, 127 years, but also the quality. They were perfectly and equally filled with meaning and purpose. And she defined this as life. This is called living. What's living by Sarah? In a vibrant relationship with God, first and foremost. How? Through the mitzvahs that entrusted the Jewish woman. And that's why the Chachamim tell us that there was a cloud over her tent at all times. She maintained the purity of a married life. When she prepared a dough for Shabbos, she made sure to separate challah. And her Shabbos candles burned from Shabbos to Shabbos. We'll discuss these things in the Be'ez Hashem later on this year. The physical and emotional distresses that Sarah experienced, it pained her, definitely. But how did she define her pursuits in her life? They were never diminished or changed. They were all perfect. And therefore, life of Sarah, Sarah, her spiritual passions and endeavors were perfect and good throughout her 127 years, equally so. And that is therefore the message of the Pasuk, Vayu Chayisara, Meyashana, Esim Shana, Vesheva Shanim. Shnei Chayesara, telling us how these, the entire lifestyle, all her years, were equally good and perfect. Tera tells us another very interesting lesson in this week's parsha. Avram comes to Bnei Ches and he says to them. I'm coming to purchase the Ma'aras HaMachpelah, the cave 
of which Adam and Chava were already interred, and he wanted to bury his wife Sarah, and ultimately join as well. Followed, of course, by all the others that mix that come in after Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, and Yaakov and Leah. As we know, Rachel is buried in Cave Rachel. <laughs> Bezlachim. In Pirkei the Revelezer it says, Omar the Yevusim, he spoke to the people, the Yevusim, and he said to them, he wants to purchase from them the land. Simple. He wants to purchase the land. No. For the Maris And he asked for a good they asked for a good price. He didn't uh, try to rip them off, shall we say. Abame Shekel is a substantial amount, and we've discussed once. In Pashurim, the Abame Shekel Beni Ben Chomahi, how he came to the numbers were 400, etc. But the Yevusim were not there. These people were Chitim. They were from Chiti. Neches. But the ear Yavas was spoiled because they were Yevusim. He says to them as follows, I'm making a pact with you. The Jews will not conquer your land unless you're ready to give it to them. And when the Jews came to Israel, they wanted to go in Bir Yavus and conquer. They couldn't. Why? Because of the swearing of Avram. It's water. It's mine. Here we have to understand this whole thing. It's very difficult to understand. Sorry. They could not go into Ir Yavus. Why? Because they were swore to them. To whom? To B'nai Ches. But later in Pasha's Masai, the Almighty tells them directly, go in and conquer. He rashed them as called Yesh Ve'horetz. V'yishavtem bo'v'snachaltem as Conquer it, take it over, and settle there. If God commanded this, the Ch'eda, according to Seichel, any deals, any promises that Avram made were nullified. And therefore, it was their, not their option, it was theirs to take, theirs to conquer. It's explained perhaps. That even though that according to Din, 
according to the rightful law, they no longer were obligated to the Shvua, to the promise that Avram had made. It no longer had any credence, any validity, because God commanded to conquer the land. Still in all, the Yavusim didn't know that. They still thought that there was a Shvua, there was a pact over here that they don't have to give it up unless they want to. So if the Yidden would not take this into consideration, it would cause Chasasholom Echil Hashem. A desecration of God's name. And we see the Chazal tell us, if you keep your score at home, it's Mesech Gitten Memvov Amid Beis. The sages tell us when it comes to the Givainim that although the Givainim fooled the Jews therefore they had no pact whatsoever still in all they didn't kill them because to sanctify God's name to show that we're mentioned, we're better people. More so, since the actual pact of the Bnei Ches was a condition for the purchase of Maras HaMachpelah, so therefore we would think that if they did not keep their promise, the Jews, they would nullify the entire sale. Retroactively, the sale would become nullified, and therefore, the Baris Machpelah would not belong to the Jews. Therefore, the, the graves would have to be, you know, I don't know, brought back up. Consumed. So therefore, in order to sanctify God's name, we don't reckon the Yavusim. I gotta like these people. We don't reckon the Yavusim that nullified the deal with Avram from Marazamachpela, therefore they could not go in. They could not go into the Yavos later because of this prob- the promise that Avram had made to take away the doubt that perhaps they would think to nullify the whole pact and the whole deal of the purchase of Marazamachpela, which incidentally was quite expensive. 400 shekels, a lot, 400 shekel, it's a lot of money. Yitzchak brings Rivka, we'll go back to the, back and forth a little bit this week. Yitzchak brings Rivka into his tent, into his mother's tent.
Says Rashi. He brought into her tent. Kuleimar means to say as follows. And it made an example of Sarah, his mother. She calls Mans the Sarah Kayemes As long as Sarah was alive, as we said before. Ner Dalek met of Shabbos out of Shabbos. The candle was burning from Shabbos to Shabbos, Friday to Friday. There was a blessing always in the dough. There was a cloud always over the tent. However, when she passed away, this all stopped. When Rivka entered the tent, it all came back. How do we know that these three miracles occurred with Rivka again? Rashi has a simple question. Ha'ayala sara imay. The three words that he bring, he brought her into the tent of Sara, his mother. Totally superfluous. Yitzchak married her. That's all. He brought Yivka and he married her. What do we understand with these extra words of Ha'ayala Sara Imei? Therefore Rashi explains that the explanation is not only that Yitzchak brought Rivka to the Ayala Sara, but the reason that he brought her to the tent. Eliezer came back and told an amazing story. And the Tera ceased to it to repeat the story. That's how great it is. And we're going to discuss that mention also. With the whole story though, and with the greatness of Rivka, with the pitcher of water, with the, everything she did, Yitzchak had some kind of feeling within him that nudged him and said I need to verify that this is the real McCoy when he saw these miracles happen to Rivka that happened with his mother ah, he was at peace his mind was at peace now now he understood that truly she was the right one. And therefore Rashi explains the words. Each word has a separate significance. The word her tent is the tent of God. And this makes reference to the Anana Kavit, to the cloud of God, the godly cloud that hovered over her tent. As we see that it says in the explanation of the Pasuk, he saw the distance, he saw the place from distance. 
because he saw that the Anan was tied there, was bound to this. Sora, Ayala Sora Ime, Sora, is a hint to another ness of Sara, which was only by Sara. And we learned that when the Malachim came to visit Avram, although Avram was busy preparing the food, the dough that Sara prepared was amazing. It rose right away and had a bracha. Therefore, when it comes to Sara, her direct connection is with the miracle of Esau. And therefore when it says Ha'ayala, we say it refers to the miracle of the cloud, and Sara refers to the miracle of the dough. Imai makes a direct reference to a miracle that had to do with Sara herself. What was the miracle of Sara? The miracle of Sara, as we all know, was the fact that her candle burned from Friday to Friday. And therefore, when he brings her, Ha'ayala, Sara, Imai, says Rashi, each word has its own significance, its own explanation, its own connection to how it connected with her. But here we have still a question. The fact that the candle burned from Friday to Friday. We know that was a miracle. Candles don't burn all week. You have three yards, I told him to do. But it was a miraculous thing. She didn't put oil for the whole week, but it let it burn the whole week. So it was a miracle in its own right. So it was not something that had to do with nature. So the candle went out of the realm of nature. Why did it only burn from Friday to Friday? It's just, just perpetual. It should be an air tumid to burn forever, forever. Perhaps we can explain this. Although the candle could have burnt forever, had the potential to do so, it stopped on Erev Shabbos, so that it could be rekindled for Shabbos. And this was even greater than burning at all times. So that she could rekindle, so that she could make the bracha, she could light candles the covered Shabbos Kedesh. Since a whole week went by since she lit the candle already, the Sai Sara and Sai Udrifka, So it went up, Milan Bekadesh. It took every day of the, excuse me, every day of the week, and rose up each day to another level, to a higher level. And therefore, Arab Shabbos, when it stopped, it gave now a new life to it. And this happened every single week, amassing yet a new life, yet a new life, and yet a greater life. We need to add, we need to find, in addition 
a continuation, a perpetuation, something that becomes perpetual. The marriage between Yitzchak and Rivka. The miracle that takes place, the story which we're going to discuss. The story is told with the Kajan Samagid. Very holy, holy man. Known to do great miracles. Lived in extreme poverty. But the sage and holiness that he was, his biggest mitzvah was charity. People would come to him asking for blessings and bring him gifts, money, whatever. He never let any of it in his, to stay overnight in his house. He always saw to it that everything was distributed. To the poor, needy, to the orphans, pay for weddings, whatever it might be. Ba'ayim, and a distant cousin of his, a widow Nebuch, came and pleaded before him. And she said, Rebbe, holy Rebbe, my cousin, my daughter is due to get married. My daughter is due to get married. But, unfortunately, the little money that I had put away was stolen. It was stolen. I have no money to make this wedding. I hear that you help people. I beg you, please help me to make this wedding. Kajar Zabagad looked at her. Sorry. looked at her and said, Money? You need money? Kandakas. Kandakas you're going to get from me. That's you have to get a kadachas. This is not a very pleasant thing to say to somebody. Especially not to your cousin. He literally he cursed her. He cursed her. He tells her she's going to get a kadachas. Kadachas. This is a terrible malady. Fever. Etc. And this is how he tells her. You're not getting money. You don't need money. You need a kadachas. May it come soon. She burst out crying. I came for a blessing, I came for some help. And, and, and you curse me? She backed out of the room crying. And when the Rebetzin heard this noise, the commotion, she came in to ask the Rebbe what happened. And the Rebbe said, listen, the woman that just left, 
Her grandfather, my grandfather, were cousins, or brothers, or brothers. And therefore she's a relative. See to it that you treat her nicely. Make her comfortable, make her happy. And kachavah. The Rebetzin saw to it, she took care of her, hospitable to her. Then, out of the blue, the Rebbe comes out of his room and sees her sitting there. Wife is taking care of her. And he goes over and he says to her, My dear daughter, tell me, you have an idea of how much you need? And um, I want you to do me a favor. Not only give me a cheshman how much you need for the wedding. I'm sure you don't have a house. I'm sure you don't have where to live. I'm sure your situation is not good. Give me what you need. Tell me how much you need to really, really get back on your feet with everything. <laughs> wow. That's a difference. So, she starts to give him the calculation. She writes down, takes a paper, a pen, and she starts to write down the calculation that she's going to need for this, she needs for this, she needs for this, she needs for that. Came out, she needs 50 gold coins. 50 gold coins. The maggot picks up the paper, looks at it and says, 50 gold coins! Kadachas! You better get this kadachas quick. That's what you're going to get, kadachas. The poor woman started to cry a little bit again, but she was getting used to this awkward conversations having with him about kadachas. Anyway, the next morning, a royal wagon pulls up in front of the Kajazamagat's house. And the servant jumps out and runs inside to the cousin to Margaret's house. In the interim, another servant is opening the door and helping this regal-looking woman. And the first servant came into the Rebbe in the office and secretary, whoever he spoke to, and said, is it true that the Khazar Tamagat helps non-Jews as well? And she said, they said, yes. The Duchess would like to talk to the Khazar Tamagat. Alright. Khazar Tamagat said, there I come. So, the servant ran back out, and the two of them helped the Duchess strenuously walking her way into the market. Nope. She comes in and she starts to discuss her maladies. She starts to discuss her pain. She says she has a fever for a year. A whole 
all year. And all the doctors have no idea what to do. And it's debilitating. It's making her weaker. She just has no strength. And she doesn't know what to do. She says, I believe in your language, you call this melody Pedachas. Mm-hmm. They ever said you have Pedachas? Ooh, that's a problem. So I came to the Magid, the Rebbe, to take it away. So the market said, listen, you want to get rid of Kadachas? Okay. It'll cost you 50 gold coins. She says, no problem. 50 gold coins? Yeah. She takes out the bag, she counts out 50 gold coins. It's a fortune. But she's the, the Duchess. Doesn't lack any money. Okay. Deborah says, okay. It's gone. She stands up. Wow. She goes to the window, opens the window. Oh my gosh. It's a new lease on life. I'm cured. However, whatever the Rebbe did, he did a great job. And so, she left very happy. And the Rebbe called in the Shamas and called back my cousin. And he told her, Okay, <laughs> your Kadachas just left. And here is your 50 gold coins. So we see how Dievishta arranges around about ways to make sure that the mitzvahs and the brachas come to fruition. Tera tells us that Avram Avinu sends Eliezer on a mission. Put your hand down on my loin next to the mitzvah of Mila and swear to me. And he tells him that this pact is if you're going to bring back the girl from a land that's going to want to stay here and that's all good. If not, you're free. But I want, in order for you to do this, since he learned, if you give me a score at home, that in order to make such a shvua, you need to hold on to a chifetz bigdusha, something, an item of spiritual, of holiness, something that, a mitzvah, a mitzvah. And therefore he asked him to take by the, by the mitzvah, couldn't find a sefetator, a pair of film. Why dafke this mitzvah? Mitzvah mila. 
This mitzvah, he was commanded from God. We know, if you keep in score at home, the Gemara and Kedushin, tells us, the sages tell us, like Our forefathers kept all the mitzvahs as we spoke last week about the Achnasus Erechim mitzvah. They kept all the mitzvahs even before the Torah was given. So they already kept all the mitzvahs. Even mitzvahs that are like Erev Tavshil. Why? All of a sudden here, did he not have any other mitzvah for Yitzvah A similar question is asked on the mitzvah mila itself that Avraham Avinu did. He kept the entire Torah. What did he wait for now until to do the mitzvah at 99 years old to do the mitzvah mila? Chassidus explains Talked about Erev Tavshil, and they kept. If you keep in score at home, that's a different Gemara. It's Masech Tzuma, Chav Chesam and Beis. Sorry. So Chassidus explains though that the Chiddush of Matan Teda, what Matan Teda actually accomplished for Teda and for Mitzvahs, then the one that was done by the days of the Ovis, the Mitzvahs of the Ovis could not make a physical entity. Holy. We discussed this last week when it came to the mitzvah he completed of Even though you used a physical entity, you did not make the entity itself holy. And therefore, it didn't have any other real mitzvah as if, than being aside from being a physical entity. When were we able to make something holy, sanctify something? Only after Matan Teda, only after the Teda was given to us. So they did the mitzvahs with their with their special spirit, special kayachas. But a person's spirit cannot sanctify another item. However, we're doing mitzvahs after Matan Teda with the strength of God. And therefore we can use every entity that we use for a mitzvah automatically becomes holy. Because God has no limits. The only mitzvah that was being kept here as a commandment from God was the mitzvah of Mila. And therefore... It was not a mitzvah they kept on their own, that they made on their own. And therefore, it had a takeoff of its own. 
it had a take of, of Kedusha, being a mitzvah that was commanded by God. That's why also Avram waited to do this mitzvah until God commanded him, and not before. Because he wanted to have a mitzvah with the Kayach of God. By giving himself a bris, by giving himself the bris, it was only because of the commandment of God, therefore he took Eliezer and made Eliezer swear, only now, only at this point, and only by the Bismillah. Because this is a mitzvah that he himself did. That Hashem commanded him to do, not on his own. And therefore, had a take of, of Kedusha. Rashi tells us something very, very interesting. The Tera goes on the limb here and tells us the story of Eliezer. He went to meet Sarah, to Rivka, etc., etc., and then goes and repeats the whole story. He comes back and repeats the whole story again, and the Tater reiterates the entire thing. What's going on? Why does the Tater repeat this? And Rashi says, Yofa sichoson shall avde oves, sneamokem meterosen shall bonim. The stories of the servants of the forefathers is even greater for before the Almighty than the Tate of the children. As we said, the Tate tells us at great length this whole shlichus of Eliezer, the servant of Avram, sent to Choram. And Chazal tells us in the beginning of our Pasha, and they stand on this point, The Tere repeats this a second time, once when it happened, and once when he comes back. There are many fundamental mitzvahs in the Tere that are not mentioned. We learn them out, we derive them from something. But yet this story, the Tere, which every word is counted, repeats a second time. From these, from these words of the Chazal, we need to understand. How is it possible that the story of the Shlichus of Eved Avram is greater than the words of the Tadak Desha? We know words of Tadak itself. Even though the others also learn Tadak. It's not the same level as the Tera that was given in Sinai. But yet here we say that the Sicha of Avde Oves, a conversation of the servants of the Oves, in a physical way, is greater than the Tera Shalbonim, the Tera that was given in Sinai.
Again, Chassidus explains the difference between Sicha and Teda. Teda is Teda and Mitzvahs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to us, the Almighty gave us. But there's also the concept of Sicha, it says in the Pasuk, Husoch Vayei. He spoke and it became. The concept of talking. The Asara Memores, the ten utterances that the Almighty utters, and with this He creates the world. These are considered Sicha, talks, when it comes to Him. Because the world itself is Ayin Ephes when it comes to God. Nothing. And the Abish's involvement in creating the world, by him, it was like Sichas Chulun, like regular mundane conversation. With nothing. Sicha Shalakodesh Baruchu. When it comes to the talks of the Almighty, they have to be Makayim each and every word, every, every second. Because if the Almighty would not see to it on a constant basis to recreate the world, it would have no existence. The world would not exist. Like we say in the davening, Hamachadish betuve becholim tamed vaseveresh. On a constant basis, the Almighty renews His creation. In order that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should say the Sicha, Baruch Sha'amar Vahoya Elam, and see to it that the world exists, the world needs to be worthy. Like, worthy of Sicha HaKadosh Baruch Hu, worthy of the talk of the Almighty. And therefore the Mishnah Pekiyavis, if you keep your score at home, Pedic Bays, Mishnah Hey. Da Malamaila Mimoch. Know what's above you. And the holy Magad of Mazrich explains Da you should know. Shekolma Shakira Lamaila, everything that happens above, humimoch. It's it's a direct effect. From a direct effect from your actions and reactions. And the same is in our conversation here that we're having, in our Indian. If we want that the Almighty should envelop and come into the concept of Sicha, and see to it that the world exists, we have to also work on this, to see to it that we cause the concept of Sicha. We have Avedis Hashem, our service for God, through Teirah Mitzvahs. 
And then there's our service of God through mundane things. Talk. Kol masecha yiyu l'shem shemayim. Everything that a person does, Mishnah, again, Perik Beis, Mishnah Yud Beis, has to be l'shem shemayim. You eat, you drink, you have a conversation. You're allowed to have a conversation. Obviously, it needs to be in the realm of spirituality, of holiness. But it can be always, as mundane as it might be, with intentions of holiness and godliness and to serve God better. So our service to God comes into a level of sicha, which hints the sicha of Eliezer, the conversation of Eliezer, and although that he was involved in dvarim pshutim, in simple things, and he was discussing this with simpleton people, the likes of Lovan and Besuil, still in all it was recognizable with him, within him, that he was discussing God's mission, speaking godly ways. And he was a messenger, and totally devoted and dedicated, and one with his Mishaleach, with the one that sent him Avram Avinu. And this is how he opens his opening line. When he introduces himself, he doesn't say, my name is Eliezer, this is my business card, I am Shatkin number four, or Shatkin number one. He says, Eved Avraham Anoichi, I am God, I am Avraham's servant. That is what I am. And this is hinted therefore, in the Tera, that the service of God is the union of Sicha, involvement in Yanechulin, in the simplest mundane things, but it should be the shame Shemayim for the name of God. And it's very, very important. Even learning Tera Mitzvahs, Sichosan Mitterosan Mahafti Sedesecha, Kol Hayyim Misichosi. And by doing this, we cause that also God speaks with us, and this extra Sicha to add life to the world. And although this is a simple task, a straight task, it's more important than actual study of Torah. And therefore he tries this. Avde Ovais, a person who is a devoted servant, Tafke, he can bring down and teach us and nurture us with the concept of Chaim, of God's creation, of the concept of the Sicha with which God created the world. And therefore may we merit that our sicha, our talks, be all with the proper godly intentions, and that this very Shabbos we talk and we see the Chaye Sara, the life of Sara, in Yerushalayim, Yerakridesh, in the Beis Hamidosh, Hashlishi, Shabbat Shalom to all.